0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Life Coach Zach podcast. I'm your host, Zach Rance, certified life coach, certified nutritionist, mental health advocate, meditation master. No, not really, but thanks so much for stopping by. I hope that you guys get a ton of value from each and every single episode. I like to bring extremely powerful uh, leaders of their industries on each and every single episode, whether it's a doctor, nutritionist, um, coach, leader, I, whatever it is, I, I want to make sure that not only are you guys learning, but that I'm learning. You know, at the end of the day, I'm doing this podcast, not just for you guys, but I'm doing it for myself. And all these conversations that I have with every single person I just named um, is helping me get better. And it's helping me step into the greatest version of myself. And I just hope I can pay it forward to you guys through these deep, powerful conversations. Thanks so much for stopping by. And, uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Good energy. What's up guys. I'm here with Ben Patrick, also known as knees over toes guy on Instagram. Uh, if you don't know who Ben Patrick is, he is famous for helping people with their knee problems and helping people learn how to dunk. I see a lot of people on Instagram tagging you in their rehab and, Obviously, your page is extremely informative about some of the rehab and prehab that people should be doing, and Ben, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be here, and I'm looking forward to uh, our talk we're about to have.
1: Oh, man. I'm really grateful to be here, and yeah, that's a, that's absolutely what I want to do is you know, help anyone who's listening who wants to understand their needs better or even to help other people. Hopefully, I can add
0: some value today. Absolutely. So this conversation we're gonna have is gonna be all about my knees. Okay. So just to tell, it. yeah. So to tell you a little bit about what I'm going through. Uh, in 2009, I tore my right ACL. Um, torn ACL, torn meniscus, torn MCL. Oh wow. I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was on the basketball court, indoor basketball court. Shoes were tied. Didn't really stretch before I played because, you know, 21-year-old kid. Who who needs to stretch, right? Who needs right. to stretch? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that was just my attitude. That was my perspective on life at the time. I, I felt like I was invincible. We all yeah. do when we're 21. And uh, I went to cross over the defender in front of me, and my knees just snapped, like literally folded. Well, um, fell to the ground instantly. Ro- I knew it was so bad. I just rolled off the court. I didn't even bother, like, staying. Oh I God. just rolled off the court. Um, and it was my first semester at university of Florida Oh my god! and I didn't have any friends yet. It was like the first second week and I'm crying in the gym and I don't have any friends there to help me out. And the gym, you know, I I was there for like three hours. I was in so much pain. Um, and finally the guy who's closing the gym was like, dude, you got to get out of here. And I said, look, I'd love to leave right now, but I can't fucking walk. Um, so I had to have like, you know, he had to get some people to carry me to my dorm room. It was bad. Uh, My knee was stuck, uh, bent for like two, three weeks. Couldn't bend it at all. It was just stuck in a bent position. But as time went on, I iced it. I stayed off my feet. I felt better. And at one point, I was like, yo, I feel 100% again. And then one little minor tweak, it would swell up the size of a basketball. Um, Got surgery. Six months to the day of surgery, my dumb ass was playing basketball again like an idiot and i went up for a rebound i'm 5 foot 9 who I have no business <laughs> jumping for a rebound at la fitness with a bunch of 6 foot 5 yep. you know basketball players uh and i landed on someone's foot Oof. it wasn't too bad but but just that small tweak and my knee blew up again so the doctor recommended surgery again which looking back on it i don't think i that was the right option i think if i would have just done rehab you know a a, a minor torn meniscus I think if I would have done rehab, it would have been okay. I'm not a professional athlete. It's not like I have to be back to 100%. I just want to have a high quality of life, which is why I'm consulting with you today because yeah. I want you to help me um, feel good inside my knees. So that's, that was like the preface of everything. Um, and now I'm training for a marathon and an Ironman. Yeah. And I'll be honest, dude, I feel 100% dude. Like yeah. my knees feel incredible, but that could be a bad thing. I want to make sure that I'm ta- I'm being extremely cautious, extremely intentional, extremely proactive on doing proper stretching, proper prehab, so I don't ever have to go into rehab.
1: Yep. Good. Well, I can definitely help. And, dude, that must have made you really mentally tough, what you went through your freshman year with that whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Wow. Um, well, yeah, and, and for me, the difference, I guess, you know how you felt – invincible at 21. Well, my knees were just chronically in pain playing basketball by the time I was 12. So I was already chewed up and spit out of basketball by the time I was 18. Now, because I beat myself up so early and I was still so stubborn that I wanted to be able to keep playing basketball, somehow I thought I would still get a college scholarship even though I had, I had three different surgical alterations by the time I was 18. And, uh, you know, I I was so stubborn that I just wanted to keep making it. So it's kind of what brings us to now is you could see that like, I didn't have a plan B, my whole life was about making it as a basketball player. My knees were what, you know, were stopping me. And I had year after year after year of trying that maybe had I been older when it happened, you know, like by that time, you were in college, you're having to make a career, you didn't have time to just put your whole life's focus on knees, right? So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. And I'll, I'll break down for you right now. Like, what I would advise for you in present time. And we can even trace back maybe some of those injuries as well. So, and to be clear for anyone who's following, I, I was able by, by age 23, I was getting division one basketball scholarships and I played professionally and I'm actually, I'm 29 now. And my knees are, you know, when I play basketball, my knees are my advantage now. So it's not like I just figured out, how to work around my problems. I figured out how to bulletproof my knees, right? And that's what you have to do preparing for an Ironman. You have to bulletproof your knees. So mm-hmm. I break this down into levels. We're gonna start from the first level that if you really just nail this first level alone, you can probably you know, be really successful in Ironman, right? And I don't think it would be obviously not the swimming and probably not the biking. It would be the running, right, is where people would break down. absolutely. Okay, so check this out. Imagine a videotape of yourself running in slow motion. And now just imagine putting that videotape of yourself running in slow motion. Now put it on rewind in slow motion. Right there, we already have the first layer to bulletproofing your knees, meaning literally just getting stronger and pouring energy on how good you get backwards. So I know that sounds crazy, right? But if we look at if we look at old people that alone is actually such a a miracle it's like this hidden simple miracle that you have it's been passed down from generation to generation in asia which is walking backwards and their elderly don't run into the same knee problems they have one i mean china has one knee replacement for every 19 of ours meanwhile in america we're told don't let your knees over your toes but when you walk backwards your knee goes over your toe every single time you're getting strong in that position. You're training the very muscles that protect your knees. So, and there's even been some studies done. There was even an American study that showed that backward walking alone is the number one screening process for falling. So elderly, yes, we think of cancer, heart disease, stuff like that, but actually the number one cause of ER visit and death in elderly is just falling. I don't know if you're aware of that. So, so if we think about our, if we think about old people and the better they get walking backwards, the less likely they are to fall Fall and the less likely they are to have knee replacement, right? Well, now let's look way down at the bottom end. let's look at kids. Another study was done 13 to 15 year old kids and it had one group sprint forwards and one group sprint backwards. And at the end of the study, the group that sprinted backwards, they actually got more speed gains forwards than the forwards group. And they got for every one inch of vertical jump that the forward sprinting group gained, the backward sprinting group gained four inches of vertical jump gain because your knees go right over your toes when you try to jump vertically up in the air. So now that that puts us in the middle, right? So now here's me trying to play basketball as an adult. Here's you as an adult trying to run an Ironman. So we know that old people walking backwards is good. We know that little kids running backwards is good. This leaves us in the middle for our tasks, which are more extreme. And that is getting strong backwards and there's a number of ways we'll break down how to do this okay and I've done over a hundred miles of resisted backwards I apologize for that noise first time using the system I tried to put it in do not disturb let's stay focused here so I've done over a hundred miles of resisted backwards work where I'm trying as hard as I can I'm trying to run backwards as hard as I can but we're talking about enough resistance that I can't really get running so The most common way that people can do this is actually by using a treadmill, but you don't turn the treadmill on and you don't stand facing forward. You stick your rump against the handles that you would normally hold. So you're facing it backwards, and now the treadmill's off. So you have to get the wheel spinning yourself.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: As crazy as that sounds, right? Nothing like going into a commercial gym, getting on a treadmill, not turning it on and spinning it backwards if you want people to, you want to talk about building mental toughness at the same time having having to handle those conversations but
0: what is this idiot doing over there
1: yeah but i had one of my online members message me and he was saying how cool it was that when he started doing this to fix his knee pain people thought he was crazy and now it is jim he walks in the other day and there's 10 people the treadmills are lined with people going backwards and people are thanking oh, him for getting rid of their knee pain so basically you're just strengthening those very muscles that get stressed when you run forwards. so you're by running backwards and it's not that simple like you're already putting so much demand on your body just running backwards is pretty good but if you can get some resistance to it believe it or not it actually lowers the impact and increases the the muscular effects meaning imagine going backwards up a hill that would actually be fairly safe because you're just strengthening but you're not really having that impact but going Going down a hill really fast, like that would be a lot more stressful. You see what I mean there? So mm-hmm. by putting the resistance there, you're actually reducing that eccentric stress for people who know about weight training. And eccentric stress has its own time and place, but it's harder to recover from. It's There's more risk of injury. So in terms of this ground layer, I do think that you could, it, it's almost like a math equation of how much and how hard and how fast you run forwards versus how strong you are backwards. So how strong you are backwards dictates, you know, are your muscles able to handle the muscles around the knees? Are they able to handle what you're running forwards or is it going to exceed what the muscles can handle and actually start to deteriorate inside the knee? Now I mentioned the, I know I'm just, you know, talking your ears off now. So don't stop me at any time. But so I mentioned like the, what we call a reverse deadmill where the treadmill's off and we're going backwards and i would say that works on 9 out of 10 treadmills meaning some are new and like if you don't turn them on they won't even let you spin it um but it's rare it's like maybe only 10% of the time 90% of the time if you set a timer for 2 minutes and you just get that thing spinning backwards you literally might just get like the knee bulletproofing workout of a lifetime like the the pump is insane and so what's cool is there's no eccentric loads so you recover super fast Yet you get insane strengthening and insane blood flow. So a lot of people look out to that actually, even though everything I do is like, look, I'm not trying to be a doctor here. I'm just trying to get strong in the right places. But person after person reaches out and ends up doing this actually to fix knee pain. So because you're getting that insane amount of blood flow, it can be very hard to get like you know what it's like once you've had a knee injury and this and that, it can be very hard to figure out how do I get a pain free leg workout? How do I get those muscles stronger, but without it hurting the knee? That's like the big, that was my big dilemma year after year after year is like, okay, I could walk around and stuff after rehab, but I couldn't play basketball without my knees hurting. Where's that middle ground? So I feel like, I feel like this is the middle ground. And in your case, you're running in a straight line. Now, I would, advise further exercises for someone who's then going to be like you mentioned in a sport where you're cutting jumping and potentially landing on things right so it's there's different levels there yeah. and some- and i am
0: a tennis player so you know i do a lot of lateral movements which is the movement that i have the least amount of confidence in um i do um yeah, and i, I there's think a it's kind what- of
1: knee track stri- like when you move laterally yeah people think it's all in the hips but like that's bullshit like your whole body's moving and there's a ton of force on your knees directly. Like there's a lot of force on your knees when it comes to lateral
0: movement. Yeah. So let me ask you a question since this is going to be a little geared towards me. If I am trying to build more knee strength. Now, now bear in mind, Ben, I do feel really good already. So I don't really know what the intention to be clear is. I, I think my intention is just continuing to build this knee strength and mainly... No, I know what the intention is. To prevent injuries. Let's lower... I want to mitigate my risk of a knee injury as much as possible. So I'm going to implement the walk on the deadmill, reverse deadmill backwards. Now, when do you think is the most ideal time for me to do this is this like a pre four mile run type thing is this like a you know if i'm doing chest day like get a little bit of the deadmill in do you recommend i do it three times a week tell, tell me a little bit more about when i'll give and you the most common I,
1: yeah so here would be the most common sets and reps the most common would be doing it three times a week i okay. often just stay on the conservative side like even if someone's like can i do this every day like well you could yeah. but like if you have a tool that works, why not just do it three days and make sure you're like fully recovering? You know, giving yourself a chance to recover. Like it's still going to work at three days, and so I think that's a little safer. So three days a week, two minutes on, two minutes off for three sets. So meaning like you're only putting in like a ten minute investment three times a week. And while I mentioned the mill is like the most common thing that a gym's going to have, some new gyms do have sleds like if you think about the concept of like walking backwards well now just imagine walking backwards like if you just dragged a nickel and then dragged a quarter and then dragged a pound two pound three so you could start loading uh a, a sled which is fairly affordable you'd have to either have a gym that has indoor turf or you'd have to be in a place with warm weather so you can go outside to like a flat My gym, gym
0: has my gym has a sled and has indoor turf
1: yeah then that's really good then and you could you could use the sled you could use the dead you could try each and mix it up probably the only drawback to a sled would be like depending on how much space you have and like if you have to turn it can kind of mess with your rhythm if you have to like keep turning it around right so it's it's just a slightly unfortunate fact that most gyms aren't necessarily set up for that so you'd have to see like does your gym have like a belt does it have if you hold the handles will your feet be in the way I ran a gym for, I owned a gym for six years. And what I did is I set up the sleds with these wraparound attachments so that you wouldn't even have to turn around the sled. You literally just like, you walk to one side and you go backwards and then you walk to the other side and you go backwards. But you can take a look and figure out your sled. That's one of the, the advantage to the dead mill is that you can be in a rhythm. You don't have to stop. Right. But the advantage to the sled is you can get a better measurement. So you could measure, okay, in two minutes, like. How much distance am I covering with how much weight? And it's not a, it's not a powerlifting mentality of more weight equals better. Meaning if you go too slow, you can't really get into a rhythm. So if you go too light with the sled, you might not feel it working. If you go too heavy, your steps might just be too small to get into a rhythm. So really you want to assess your turf. It's going to have different, different sleds. You're gonna have different frictions. So you assess your space and you kind of see what weight gives you a good burn then from that point, now you're seeing like, okay, how much distance am I covering in a two minute set? And then you can kind of track your progress. So you could see with something like that, you can now measurably invest in more protected knees. Like, okay, I'm literally now stronger backwards. I can, my muscles can do more work can handle more load backwards than they could when I started something along those lines. And you're in a good position where keep in mind 90 plus percent of people reaching out to me are they're looking for a miracle for their knee pain you know what I mean like like day to day they're just like I wish I could like go down the stairs without my knees hurting and stuff like that right
0: yeah I mean yeah I'm someone I have I have great flexibility I've been very consistently making small progress when it comes to just my body awareness honestly that's something that I think has really helped me create and cultivate a healthier lifestyle is is true just body awareness when i eat food and i know this is a little off topic but when i eat food you know i, I ask myself three minutes after i eat how do i feel then i ask myself 30 minutes after I eat, how do i feel then i ask myself three hours after i eat how do i feel wow. a lot of people just eat 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 then they sleep then they wake up then they eat more then they exercise they don't know why they didn't have high energy levels on this training session and whatnot so you know Body awareness for my digestion has been really, really beneficial, but body awareness of my muscles and my tendons and my ligaments and how they work and where they're located and where my pain is and things like that. So um, that's that's great. So the walk on the treadmill backwards, reverse deadmill, three times a week, two minutes on, two minutes off. I'm going to implement that immediately, Ben. Um, And let
1: me just put one note there. If someone wanted to start out even simpler than that, for just the backward walking, you obviously want to be somewhere safe, you know, and ideally not too cold. But uh, fifth, just a fifteen-minute backward walk three times a week would kind of be like a starting platform if someone just wanted to really take it slow. Just, I just I like want that. to throw that in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For all you people out there that want to strengthen your knees and you don't have a gym or you just want to start small, walking backwards three times a week for fifteen minutes. Great. Right. So what do you think is, and, and actually last question on, on the reverse treadmill, is this something that is just generally speaking, building knee strength or is this like preventative measures? Is this muscle strengthening? Is there a specific thing that this is accomplishing?
1: Yeah. I think that the most sure scientific way of looking at it is that you got all these muscles in your body and there's one muscle that happens to be largest in relation to the knee, closest to the knee contracts first when your knee is under load. So the knee that's the, the muscle that's most responsible for your knee is the vastus medialis. So it's you have four quad muscles and, you know, obviously guys like us didn't make these names. We would have made them simpler, but basically this vastus medialis muscle, anyone can, you know, google it and see which one that is. So that muscle gets prioritized when your knee is over your toes. And now when you have to go backwards, you're basically just strengthening that position, but in the safest manner possible because you're not you're not adding weights. You're not, you know, those can create more adaptation down the road depending on how much you need. But, uh, you know, the, the more you go into that, the more risk there is. We're just walking backwards, dragging a sled backwards, doing a... a deadmill backwards these are super low risk you know high reward kind of exercises and they can also you know make a nice foundation if you did want to explore further exercises so that's the simplest way of putting it is that modern strength training where your knees don't go over your toes means that biologically we're avoiding that muscle that's most important to protect the knee so i don't my opinions on it don't really matter the stats show that knee surgeries are have skyrocketed to epidemic levels and same with chronic Mm -hmm. knee pain. And that's for all ages. So you have youth sports, knee surgeries have skyrocketed, elderly, uh, you know, knee replacements have skyrocketed. And the American Academy of Orthopedic Physicians is I mean, they're only, they're only predicting it to get worse, right? So Mm -hmm. whose job is it to help us out? I really haven't been able to find someone yet. So I'm taking that responsibility and
0: you're doing God's work, bro. You're doing God's work, man. (laughs) We need people like you to help everyone else unlearn everything we've been taught, which is false. So what's what's the second thing I should be working on? Well, I would, I mean,
1: there's different kinds of running. So right off the bat for anyone who's like, uh, I don't know if you're a heel striker, right? It's different in when you play basketball, right? In a sport or tennis, right? Let's take tennis everyone's a heel striker in tennis. Like you don't have a choice because like you have to, like you're decelerating and no one in the history of tennis, like tippy toe decelerates, right? So, Mm -hmm. so I mentioned this vastus medialis muscle is kind of the king there to stabilize your knee. But the second biggest and closest muscle to your knee is the tibialis. And so if you look right under your knee, you have the tibialis. So every time your heel plants, like if you're just sitting here right now, and you think about your heel planting, the tibialis is the guy that's under load. So the, the stronger the tibialis is, the less force comes up through your knee. The weaker the tibialis is, the more of that force you can't handle through the tibialis and goes into your knee. So if we're getting into the tennis, and again, I have no idea if you're a heel striker in the, in the Ironman running, um, but, but already in tennis, we know, like if you just watched yourself play tennis and you put it in slow motion, you wouldn't believe how often you're just slamming force through that tibialis. And again, there is no exercise science study that's ever been done on strengthening the tibialis, and now I have, you know thousands of knee pain success stories from strengthening it. It's kind of obvious that the two biggest closest muscles to your knee would matter, but modern tra- <laughs> modern training encourages us to avoid them, and actually most you know modern exercise science systems prevent us from training the two most important muscles for our knee. Now we have an epidemic of knee surgeries. I, I really don't have an opinion. Anyone can can come to their own conclusions on that. So the tibialis, I would say, would be number two in importance for you. And it's so easy and safe and simple to train. You don't even have to bend your knees to train it. That I On my Instagram, I keep videos of this at all times. And anyone can DM me and I'll send them how to do it, meaning... I think these two things i think the backwards and the tibialis are so safe that i'm really happy to have them just as you know free 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 and then beyond those two it's now like well you know and this is kind of where the no knees over toes comes from right it's like well that's the position we get hurt in so it's the position we need to be strong in but then it's a risk to reward that you have to have perfect form and work at the right level and progress right so you can you can progress and bulletproof yourself but if I don't know if someone's gonna have the right form, I'd be steering them wrong. So I literally only have one fitness source of income. I never accept any other kind of fitness income. My only fitness source of income is coaching people's form on these more unorthodox exercises that you can't just look up on YouTube. You know, they don't they don't exist yet, you know, or they're, you know, followers of mine who have put form stuff there. But unfortunately, male athletes in particular will butcher it no matter what if you don't see and coach their videos anyways i got a little off topic there but it kind of gives you the scope that the Mm -hmm. backward strengthening and the working the tibialis which anyone can go on and see full tutorials you know on this um on my page for free those are so safe and simple and i do think they're going to get the job done you know for most people
0: awesome okay Walking backwards and doing the Tibialis. I'm going to go to your Instagram page and I'm going to check those out immediately, man. Yeah. Looking forward
1: to. uh, I look on my page right now. I leave one mm -hmm. down that, uh, you see me. It's outside, like on the deck of a house. There's some trees in the back. Are you in the
0: Bulls jersey?
1: No. Um, this would be to be really. you have the weighted vest on? Nope. It's further down. Like it's, uh. It's further down and you can see the skyline in the background and I'm standing oh, there wow, with my beautiful. butt against the wall. you see the one with my Got butt it. against the wall and I'm wearing yep. black shorts and like a grayish yep. blue shirt? Yeah and that so that one with subtitles shows you exactly how you can start training the muscle. It shows you why you train like if you swipe right it goes into slow motion and shows you why and how and everything exactly how to train that muscle.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm going to start doing that. So when should I do that? How many times a week should I be doing this?
1: So that one would be more like something to do. I would say after I would still do that one three times a week and I would start with 25 reps each time. And you could build, I would say maybe you could build to doing three sets of 25, but I would start with just one set. Um, you know, when one set feels good, do two sets. Let's just, cap it right there. Two sets of 25 reps, so 50 total reps, three times a week. That's going to get the job done and it's this is no joke. It's not like it's just a dinky little thing. Like you're going to have one of the worst burns of your life, but not pain. Oh
0: dude, I trust you, bro. Y- dude, you you do not have to justify it, bro. I trust this you video. with film a right whole now, set, bro.
1: film a whole set of 25 reps of yourself and send it to me. that okay. way I can just make sure it right, it's right. But like if you do it right, like you'll get to the point where you can't even lift your toes up. So now, what you're doing, just like anyone can get good at push-ups, well, anyone can get good at these deceleration muscles that protect your knee. You're putting in, but I, that's why I say do this at the end because, like, we're actually trying to like now take that muscle to to tap out. It's not going to recover super fast because it's you are working the eccentric load because that's really how you use that muscle. It's used in those deceler. It's used when you stop when you're playing tennis when you cut and you stop and you. And that mm-hmm. heel slams through and then the force comes up. So two and, sets of 25, this- three times a week, but do it after. Perfect. Like, like let's say you're playing tennis. You can do it right after because you, well, need, you need no <laughs> equipment. You stick your butt against the wall. So you could do it after running. You could do it after tennis, after a weight room workout. It doesn't after matter. Okay. Yeah.
0: Perfect. So, should, and so I'm going to do the tibia exercises after I do a run because I run four times a week. So three out of my four runs, I'll do my tibia, 25 reps, two yep. sets. And then the the backwards reverse deadmill. Should I do that after a run, days off of running? What, know, what do you recommend
1: there? It kind of depends on your lifestyle. The good thing is that, to me, it doesn't really matter in the sense that, like, if you just got in, uh, you know, a rough workout of the of the distance, you know, the time I listed, three sets of two minutes on off, that's going to result in, on average, about a third of a mile. It's not like you have to actually measure it. The point is in a couple of years, you would have done a hundred miles because you'll get about a mile a week if mm-hmm. you do it. you know. So the point is, I think in terms of it in, in that regard, you recover really fast from it. So yeah, like some people like doing it on their off days to get some blood flow to recover. Other people who probably the more pain sensitive someone is, the more they'd wanna do it beforehand to like actually get the blood into the right areas in the first place so then it doesn't hurt when they run, right? And then other people are like, look, on my off days. I wanted to have off days so they could do it right after a run. So I would simply break it down. Like, do you want to be having full off days? Or if you are, like, if you're someone who wants to do something seven days a week, you mentioned you run four days. If you wanted to do something to be keeping your heart rate up, burning, you know, any excess body fat off, like it'll keep you super shredded. Your hormones would be through the freaking roof. Um, Some studies have shown your growth hormone level will just go out the roof when you do this because you produce so much lactate. It's kind of getting into another subject. But my point is, if you want to do something seven days a week, I would do it on your three off days from running. If you feel like, in your case, you said your knees are feeling good. It's like, I wouldn't mess with your running routine. I would do it. If you wanted to just be off and, and not be doing something like this on your off days, then I would do it on three of your running days after your run to help, you know, flush things out and get extra strengthening and recovery. So, you know, there's your options. And if you were helping someone else who had active knee pain, then I would actually do it before the running.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then one last question for you, when you do the exercise where you like bend down real slowly and you have your knees touch the mat and then you come straight up, what is that for?
1: So that would be an example of, I mentioned there's kind of like five layers of addressing your knee. So to give you a a rough view of these five, if you visualize the backward work, you know, the uh, reverse deadmill, whatever you want to call it, I I call it R-O-K-P, reverse out knee pain. It just kind of refers to that entire category of anything where you're just walking backwards, running backwards, dragging something backwards. If that's level one, level two is basically a, a reverse step up. So this is called a Patrick step up. It's named after me and it's, I know it sounds silly, but it, really it's like this missing exercise where you just stand on a curb or on a step or whatever, but you're not stepping up onto it. You're turning around backwards and you're stepping down off of it as if you were going down a stair and just going up and down like that. So that would be, that would take more recovery time, but would give a little more like, uh, you know, for someone who's going to be jumping or doing more extreme activities, they need to be able to handle those landings, right? So it's almost like imagine you're just working on, you know, how much stress your knees can handle. Mm. Then the third layer is, you know, we all have at least seen like an ask to grass squat, right? So we know there's like, okay, there's half squats, there's ask to grass squats, which should we do, blah, blah, blah. Well, for your knees, we know that the better you can ask to grass squat, the more protected they are, but it can be kind of quite an ask to just force someone into that. So I basically use a regressed version where we do one side at a time and we gradually work to where those knees can handle the full bend. So again, your knees over your toe, um, just like when you were on, you know, when you stand on a curb and you do the reverse step up, but when you do the reverse step up, you're working your knee over toe in the top position. And when you do the ATG, the ass to grass split squat, you're only working your knee over your toe in the bottom position. And I'll send you a write-up so you can actually see pictures of these five layers. It'll put it, like it'll make a lot of sense once you see them. Now, for someone who wants to keep getting those legs stronger through a full range of motion, now they would have an easier time putting their feet together and doing ass-to-grass squats. But even with that, I don't do them heavy and I do them on slant boards, which prioritizes that fastest medialis I was talking about and allows you, no matter what your mobility is, it allows you to get all the way down there. So my philosophy for knee health And what, you know, over 164 research papers prove is that for your knees, using a weight that you can actually take through a full range of motion is going to be better for knee pain and preventing knee injury than using a heavier weight that you can't take all the way down. So Mm -hmm. we've already named four layers there, right? So you have the The reverse out knee pain is layer one, then the reverse step up is layer two, then the ass to grass squat one leg at a time. It's, and it, this really regresses. So even, you know, I have 80 year olds working on it. It's really gentle how it regresses. That's layer three. Now putting your legs together on a slant board, going all the way down a squat is layer four, because that's just getting the deepest your knees possibly bend. And now layer five is what you asked about. And now that's where my, my hips don't even bend like Imagine it you have to keep a, a walnut clenched between your glutes and try to reach your knees to the floor. So this is now directly building you to like upper 1% knee bulletproofing. This is how I've gotten to like over a 40-inch vertical. I have wicked legs now, like, but I, I built them, um, and it's almost like taking bodybuilding concepts but then applying it to bulletproofing your knees for jumping and athletics. And even with something like that, you can see why the form coaching comes so important because even something like that as long as your glutes are contracted and you lower down to a padded surface there's no such thing as too high you can go stand in front of your couch and lower your knees down just a few inches and get stronger like what you see is you're seeing the end product there that you know I can even I can I can go up to the edge of a pool and dip my knees in without my hips bending you know what i mean and that's going to be something wow. that probably one in a million people will have strong enough legs to do, you know, literally about like one in a million people probably have strong enough legs to do that. So here I was a guy with the weakest knees and now I have, you know, one in a million strong knees. So, but it's, it's all built on a scale, just like building any, it's like if a kid went from, you know, not being able to do one chin up and now they're like one of the strongest in chin ups in the world, that's simpler. And I just had to navigate this of how do you do this for your knees, which is a much more You know painful and sensitive area
0: incredible dude and you came up with all this on your own
1: well everything i mean this is all based on real world real world experience having incredible mentors looking for every clue right like Mm -hmm. this last thing i was talking about of just like scaling see most of the things for me as i was looking like okay well what can the most protected knees do and then it's like my job and and my gift to people has been figuring out now, like, okay, well, how do you progress there? Right? Like you're either the guy with weak knees or you're the guy with strong knees. Well, how do you like bridge that gap? So talking about this, this, uh, I call it a KOT knees over toes squat, the most extreme one, the fifth layer that not everyone has to do. But if you want to maximize your, you know, genetic potential, then heck yeah, you'd want to do it. If you're going to be going down 80 mile an hour turns as a skier, knowing that over half of downhill skiers have knee surgeries and you don't want to be one of those stats. Yeah. You want elite bulletproofing. So that one, I mean, there was guys doing this with a full range of motion in early bodybuilding days. There's a guy named Tom Platts, who was one of the pioneers of this. Now, if we look at clues, Tom's now in his sixties and what's just hilarious yet. So sad is that him doing this KOT squat, or as they call it, a sissy squat, which is really, misnamed cuz it comes from Sisyphus the Greek god who had the strongest quads in the universe anyways it sounds terrible now sissy right that's why i had to come up with a new name cuz no one wanted to do this thing so <laughs> so tom platt's picture is used on article after article telling you don't let your knees over your toes the number one exercise not to do wait hold up this is the number one exercise not to do for your knees yet And Tom's pictures on it, Tom's in his 60s now, has the mobility of a baby, can squat over 300 pounds, ass to grass in his 60s, meaning he has some of the most bulletproof 60-year-old knees on the planet, while all his bodybuilding competitors back in the day, those guys are having knee replacements now. Tom is bulletproof not having the knee replacements, but people are too misinformed and too quick to believe what they read, that literally proof in front of their face that protecting yourself and confronting your problems works. And then his, this poor guy's picture is used to discourage people from confronting their problems and thus creating more surgeries rather than preventing them. I mean, how sickening would that be if you figured out something to help people and then your picture was used to discourage people from doing it? Anyways, that's one example. Another example is the slant board squad I mentioned where you get the full range of motion. Well, the guy who pioneered that, was his name is George Hackenschmidt. And now the hack squat has been totally butchered and turned into something that wasn't what he did at all. And George was jumping until his death in his eighties. And you can see pictures of him at age 75, jumping over 40 inch hurdles. I'm not kidding. You can see pictures of it wow. at age 75. So perhaps the most resilient knees of all time. And yet his technology has been completely lost. So my job has only been looking at where success left clues and then scaling back solutions so that any of us with with knees that can't do that stuff well lo and behold we actually can if you work toward it on a gradient scale
0: unreal well ben i i want to say thank you so much for helping me out and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with my audience. I'm sure they're going to get a ton of value and implement some of these things into their lives. At least walking backwards every once in a while. Walk that backwards
1: and do tibialis raises and you're literally scientifically putting money in the bank to not end up in a walker when you're older.
0: That's it. Dude, I'm going to start this literally immediately. I'm going to do my tibia raises right now as soon as we get off this podcast. And, and then, then send uh... me
1: video. And I'm going to send you the full five so you can see pictures and videos of what I'm talking about. You can see that that yes, that's like a, that's a call for yourself. You know what I mean? On like, on whether you want to embark on those or not, but either way you're, you know, anyways, we'll be in close touch.
0: Absolutely. Ben, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone go follow Ben on Instagram, knees over toes guy on Instagram. Ben, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with today?
1: Uh, I mean, they can know they can send me a DM and I have, I have a lot of free helpful articles and starting tips and stuff. So They can pretty much DM me about anything and that's my strategy is like I try to help everyone who reaches out and then if they want more like you know they know what my business is and they can hire me but my whole strategy is to just help every single person who reaches out so feel free to DM me.
0: Dude I love it man doing God's work. Ben thank you so much for your time today it was a absolute pleasure and I'm looking forward to talking to you soon.
1: Awesome man I really appreciate you thank you.